Ladies and gentlemen, prepare your space toilets. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. That's the most depressing I'm Brian Gill of all time. <laughs> that's, that's the goal. Yep. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad uh, About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week, we meet and talk movie news, rumors, and rumblings, and break down a movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen it, because we will warn you before we go into spoilers, except for today, in which we will spoil everything. <laughs> and stay tuned until the end for weekly recommends, in which we suggest something you need to check out as soon as you can. Remember, you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? This week, we're going to be talking about space werewolves and Jupiter Ascending. I just need to know what in the hell is going on. I think we might have stumbled into a war with some of the most powerful dynasties in the universe. Why is this happening to me? You are royalty. Your majesty. You are in for a surprise when you find out what I do for a living. It's not what you do. It's what you are. Can I say that even the audio of that trailer depresses me? (laughs) It brings back like nightmarish memories already, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. I feel like it's like Nom. Like I can't, people that haven't seen this movie, it's like you weren't there, man. You have you Jupiter weren't. ascending PTSD. <laughs> like I've yeah. seen things, man. I was there, man. You don't know. Yeah. You weren't there, man. Exactly. Man, this is this is gonna be a good one. I I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this conversation. Um, makes one of us. Like I said in the, in the intro, we will spoil this movie because we don't want you to see it. Uh, we don't want you to listen to it and be like, that's one I want to go out and see. So we'll spoil it. Don't worry. Uh, it's not going to ruin the movie. If you've seen it, uh, you, you're going to be in for a treat because you're going to love this conversation. And, I'm going uh, to take a different tact, Kinto. I, okay. I'm going to say this. If I had like Mark Cuban money, which is always like my barometer for just – ridiculous spending and stuff. If I had three mil- three billion dollars and I there's no way I will ever spend all this money, I would send every one of my Facebook friends a ticket to this movie so that yeah. we could all talk about it. Like I sure. kind of want we are totally gonna just wreck this movie on as far as spoilers go and all that sort of stuff. If you haven't seen it, I kind of want all of the listeners to see it so that we can all engage together because it's a special kind of movie. And let me clarify. There's nothing in this movie that you can spoil. Like there's (laughs) not one thing that I could tell you that would ruin the movie for you if you uh, hadn't seen it before. You're going to spoil a lot for me. Here's a chapter, guys. (laughs) Yeah, stay tuned till the uh, the review uh, portion of the show to find out. How long Richard made it, (laughs) which is becoming one of our favorite segments on the show. But speaking of segments, guys, we have a lot to do today. We're going to nominate ATs, American Treasures, uh, briefly before we talk Jupiter Ascending. And we also have a bit of movie news to talk about, Uh, but a little bit of house cleaning to go over before we talk movie news, guys. Um, First things first, we have a new artwork on iTunes. Yeah. So enjoy the new artwork. It hadn't been changed yeah. in a couple of years, so I thought it was time to freshen up a bit totally. and uh, give and us it, a new look. If you like it, send all the kudos to me and Richard because we yes. did. Yes, <laughs> they did. 
They did it all. No, they did help. They did say they liked it. So that that's <laughs> yeah. all I was looking for. That's all I was looking for was your Kit approval. did all the work. He sent it to us. And Richard and I showed the artwork to our significant others and said, yeah, that looks good. So yeah. that's, well, uh, you know. Yep. Sarah, Sarah and Lindsay approved. If you, had, yeah. if you had said it looked like crap, we wouldn't use it. So uh, your your opinion does mean something, and it did help with that. And we also have a new website, new design uh, that goes along with that. So uh, it should be easier for you to navigate and uh, subscribe and find all the providers on there. Just a, just a new updated look for uh, – for this for the new year so just wanted to let the fans know about that and check that out and hey ken if i were to want to see that website where would i go mad about movies podcast dot gam and i just want to give a few shout outs to some listeners who have been awesome and have messaged us uh kind words through our email which is mad about movies podcast at gmail.com or go to the website click contact and fill out a form and you don't have to mess with the email it goes Straight to uh, straight to our inbox, but I want to say shout out to. Uh, hold on, let me let me cue up the uh, the shout out music here. Okay, here we go. That feels better. Uh, Jake Brown, I want to say thank you to Jake Brown. He's an aspiring filmmaker and a Texan. So uh, what up? And he says he's currently training for a 120 mile bike race through the Rocky Mountains, and he's been listening to our podcast the entire time. Uh, so what a way to pass the time than by getting in shape and listening to some Mad About Movies. So there is shout out. In no way an 18-wheeler barreling behind you. No. <laughs> don't, don't even look. And no, nobody there. at all is frustrated that you're driving in the street as opposed <laughs> to the sidewalk. So don't yeah. even think about that either. <laughs> we all, speaking from people that operate motor vehicles, we love cyclists and we're, we're fired up you listen. <laughs> no, but thank you for listening. It's awesome. Another shout out I want to give is uh, Mickey Lyons who left us a review on iTunes, which is always encouraged if you enjoy what we're doing. He says, I can't rave about this show enough. I live in Indiana and work at a steel mill, welding, cutting, and painting, and uh, your show helps me get through the day. I love your sarcastic, almost viciously sarcastic humor. Appreciate that. And uh, now you see me. That I think that's all I have to say. <laughs> it cracks me up how much love and and how much attention we get for for how much we hate. Now you see me. It's such a funny thing. It feels like one out of every two emails, at least, it says something about, "Oh, thank God you guys hate." Now you see me. No one else agrees with me. It's like it's such a funny thing. <laughs> who would who would have thought that would be like the hallmark <laughs> of our show when you guys walked out of that screening? You know what? I did think ago. that because Richard said, "Well, at least it'll make a good podcast," and I said, "I don't even think we should podcast it because I don't want people to know <laughs> no, us." No, you didn't say that. that. You just said. I never want to see that again. Yeah. We can't but, podcast it. And I, I said, I don't want people to be able to search for Now You See Me and find our podcast. Uh, but that has come to uh, bite us right in the rear. So uh, shout out to you guys. And by the way, on the website, we have a, a feature on the front page, uh, featured episode. And I might just keep Now You See Me as featured episode uh, for yeah. forever. So it'll be easily accessible to new listeners. We really need to do a 2.0 so that it, it stays in our top 100 on, on iTunes. We do. Uh, absolutely. I would like to revisit that one uh, at some point. Uh, last shout out I'll give here is from Callan Winters in San Diego uh, through the email. San Diego. San Diego. Callan wants to say, hey guys, just wanted to say I love the show. Look forward to it every week when I go to work and have something to keep me entertained. I had a quick question for you guys. I was wondering if you saw Michael Mann's new film, Black Hat, and if so, any quick thoughts about it? Did you guys either see it? I have not seen no, Black Hat. but I do have some quick thoughts. Okay. I'm all alone, and I saw it. <laughs> Richard loved it, but go ahead, Brian. 
Uh, I love Michael Mann. At one time, yeah. he was probably my second best, second favorite director of all time. Like, I love his Heat, Collateral, all that stuff. He's a, he's an amazing director. I'm not sure that he was ever on set for that film. Like, it just has that yeah. look of like I'm just gonna sign my name to this and send the AD to do all this and uh, and forget that I was ever a part of it. But it looked terrible to me, terrible. And the reviews would agree. Yeah, Callan adds. His films usually have interesting stories and contain unique filmmaking, which this had none of. So, no. yeah. <laughs> Richard, what are your quick thoughts on Black Hat? It's interesting. I think I emailed Callan about this. I don't know. We got a yeah. few Black Hat related emails. So I think it was Callan though that I emailed and said, it's interesting because they the first act, spoiler alert, is uh, is about... Um, it's a... <laughs> It's about this, like... <laughs> Can you get you know, through it? Yeah, they have to get this hack. I remember very little, but they have to get this hacker, Hemsworth, A-Team Hemsworth, not the B-Team one. They got A-Team Hemsworth for this. <laughs> and they, he's got to, like, figure this out with his weird, raspy, like, tough guy voice because this, this guy is, is hacking for money. Uh, he, he, or, you know, he, does, he has a scam that he gets millions of dollars, and they're like, oh, no. He, he's it's not about the money it's about something else you find out later that he's go you think it's world domination but it ends up being like nickel or like some sort of precious metal so that he then sells for even more money so it's like no it really was all about money <laughs> I don't know I mean it was very confusing <laughs> plot wise because it wasn't about money he's like they set him up to be like the Joker right you know he just he just wants to watch the world burn yeah. but then he just uses that money to buy something so ah. he can make more money you're like oh, gotcha. oh heck of a plot here yeah yeah sounds mm. great. I mean, I, it's one I'm going to rush out and see now that I have your recommendation. But good emails, guys. Thanks, everyone, for, for submitting those. And sorry if we didn't get to your email, but maybe in a week to come. But like I said, you want to reach out to us on Twitter or uh, on our individual Twitters. Those are on the side as well as our contact info. So uh, do that. And uh, guys, let's talk a little bit of movie news. Movie news. Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. You know, as I was as I was going to the theater to see Jupiter Ascending yesterday, I said to myself, man, I really hope some movie news comes out so we have something else <laughs> to talk about other than this movie because I don't I think this would just mentally drain me uh, if we talked about this for an hour. And uh sure enough, as I arrived home from my screening experience, <laughs> uh news broke or shattered uh, the internet, and uh, confirm the rumors which we all believe to be true uh, when the Sony hack happened in December and in uh, November this past uh, 2014. Spider-Man will indeed be returning to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah! Boom! Immediate thoughts. Immediate thoughts, Brian. Huge news. Because I love Spider-Man. I think we all like Spider-Man. Am I, yeah. am I right on that? Just the, the character of Spider-Man. Spider-Man I like Spider-Man. Favorite. I hate Peter Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Spider-Man knows. was my favorite superhero growing up until yeah. the movies started. So Yeah. One, one of my – probably my – I mean I'm, I've always been a Batman guy, but probably my second favorite. And, that, and he's a great superhero – that should be really easy to make into a good movie. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm fine with the first two Raimi Spider-Man movies. I, I don't think they've aged particularly well and they, they take a lot of crap and that's fine. But both of those movies are fine for me. The third one is atrocious. I don't like either of the Amazing Spider-Man movies and, and I'm certainly not alone in that uh, on this show. And I think just in the world in general because they don't do particularly well. 
this is a huge, huge thing to happen. Like it, it's, it seemed like something that made total sense. So we, we just kind of assumed it wouldn't happen because it made too much sense. You know what I mean? Like that's a, that's such an easy deal for, for, for Sony and Marvel to have worked out. Uh, Hey, you guys are really good at doing this and we're not. And why don't we just make so much more money by letting you be a part of it instead of continuing to throw out origin stories every every three years that uh, no one really likes all that much. Right. Yeah, I I think it really came down to Sony not wanting to fail miserably. And yeah, that's totally fine. If that's what it takes for uh, Spider-Man to succeed, that's fine. They wanted to give Spider-Man a chance at at being something that people care about. Because it deserves that, and this is this is great news. Uh, big questions coming out of here is: Will Andrew Garfield remain Spider-Man? If you're asking me, I say they probably recast Spider-Man yeah, yeah. because what a better opportunity to recast Spider-Man than right now? Right. Uh, I think that'll end up happening. Maybe Spider-Man appears in Suicide Squad, and uh, they kill off Spider-Man in uh, mm. in the. Uh, from Sony's perspective, and then sort of uh, make him or re or introduce the new Spider-Man in uh, in a, a Marvel film. By the way, uh, he's apparently making an appearance in Captain America: Civil War, which is Captain America three coming out in twenty sixteen. So uh, apparently, we have Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Captain America involved in that film. And uh, you want to place bets right now, guys? about the fact that the Avengers 2 post-credit sequence will be something involving Spider-Man. Like, is that... No. Are, yeah. Is Joss Whedon scrambling right now to uh, film a, <laughs> an alternate post-credits sequence? Yeah, that makes sense. That, 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 that seems like a logical If that's not what it is, that, that'll be one of the biggest mistakes ever because <laughs> people will be so psyched. If, like, if you hadn't heard about that before uh, that happening, that, that would be awesome. I'm, I'm assuming Spider-Man will be involved in Avengers 3, which is... Huge news. I mean, right. the thought of that is just me as a comic book movie fan uh, makes me happy. But Richard, what are your thoughts on Spider-Man going back to Marvel? Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm, I, I, uh, yeah, I'll echo everything you guys said that it's definitely the best possible uh, scenario for the character. And uh, I really think it's cool that Marvel gets a crack at it and all that. And I'm excited that hopefully I'll get to see a, a good Spider-Man film in my lifetime. I am not so much a fan of the Raimi films, especially retrospectively, but I, Spider-Man 2 is okay, but it's still Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, right? Yeah. So it's kind of a world's tallest dwarf type thing, but yeah, I, I'm pumped. I think you have to recast Garfield. He's got a lot of, we always use this, uh, I think he's got some Jeremy Renner in him where he's a really good actor, but he's not really charismatic enough to be like a leading superhero person. And so uh, I think there's a lot of people out there that could do it. I'm just excited that hopefully we get uh, the origin story for the third time now. Marvel's crack at it. <laughs> no, I, I, I can almost guarantee that that won't happen. I think they'll just throw Spider-Man in Captain America. And uh, if you want to know more about Spider-Man, there are, what, five other films to watch <laughs> of origin type material. I'm not exactly sure how the how the spider bit him. I need a, bit, a little more crap. <laughs> and I need I, to especially know if his web is going to be canister or organically yeah. from his wrist. Yeah. I need to know this now. I prefer canister. Brian prefers organic, but that's, true. that's a debate for I'm another say, day. With, that could take I'm a whole with, podcast right there. I'm with Brian. Because I used to, the, the animated series I used to watch as a kid mm -hmm. drummed up a lot of drama on him running out of canister. Yeah. 
And it always made me nervous, and I don't like to be nervous. So I really did like about the <laughs> Rami one that he just had infinite web yeah. out of this. That, that one episode of the animated series when uh, Spider-Man runs out of web and his canisters in the woods, that really freaked out Richard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. My two of my biggest fears. Yeah, and I think they'll recast Garfield not so much that Garfield sucks, but more the fact to separate Agreed. The new Spider-Man yeah. from the old Spider-Man to, yeah. to start well, a new. Yeah, it's hard to tell if Garfield's good because those movies are really bad. Yeah. He might be great, but they're just not great scripts. But yeah, he's just you're right, Richard. He's not somebody that to me he's not somebody who can carry a yeah. superhero film, and he never seemed like he was really. It kind yeah. of seemed like a paycheck. Keep to getting me. them checks, and, uh, Andrew Garfield. And, you know, I can't blame anybody for doing that. But if we got, he got to meet him a star over, so yeah, that's payment hey, in itself. Look, positive experience overall. Right. There's one minute of watchable stuff in the Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. And it was in the trailer for the first one where Peter Parker, you know, goes in the car and the guy's carjacking. And uh, he does the, oh, little knife, I'm so scared, you know, and uh, goes off on the guy. Like, that's Spider-Man. Yeah. That's the Spider-Man I wanted and Same. never got with that trilogy. And uh, I never or, got it with the Raimi one either. That's, that's the thing that always bothered me about Spider-Man those. Spider-Man is supposed to be a jerk. You yeah, know? he's funny. He's yeah. sarcastic. He's a jerk. And Tobey Maguire was just like, um, I'm Spider-Man, by the way. I could fight but you. emo Spider-Man was definitely the best Spider-Man. Raindrops are falling on oh, no. That's the worst scene in maybe ever. Uh, compared, oh. except for some stuff we're about to talk Let's about. Talk about Jupiter ascending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but this could take a whole podcast. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. So we'll move on. But huge, exciting news from Marvel. And, uh, you know. Uh, we'll talk about it again, I'm sure, when Avengers comes out later this year. Uh, but guys, prepare your nominations for some American treasures. The way this works is we have a little Hall of Fame on the website, which you can find uh, called American Treasures, in which we have all our uh, inductees listed. This is basically a little Hall of Fame we've started on the show for fun. And these are people we think really define what is great about American pop culture and American cinema, more specifically. Uh, these people have been around for at least 25 years. That's a qualification. Or 50 years old. Uh, except for I don't think we have anyone under the age of 50. Oh, yeah, we do. We have Jason some Bateman. We have some 25-year-old, uh, 25 yeah. guys like, like Bateman. Yeah, he's not, he's not quite up there yet. While we're uh, talking about this, guys, we, we had to make a little fix with Heathcliff Huxtable instead of Bill Cosby. <laughs> I'll get there. We have a conversation okay. regarding a possible ex-American treasure that I want to ask you. Uh, these people have been involved in their industry for 25 years. They've made significant impact to American culture, and they have a sense of humor about themselves, which means they don't take themselves too seriously. They, they joke around on talk shows. They can admit when they were wrong about a movie or something like that. And uh, if you go on the website, we have... Uh, over 20 uh, inductees so far, and I can honestly say, looking at all of them, that most of them, 99% of them, are 100% definite American treasures. But there's one that I want to talk about, guys. All right. And he is in the public figure wing of the American Treasure Hall of Fame, and his name is Brian Williams. Bri Bri Will. Richard, since you brought Brian Williams to the table, what are your thoughts on his situation? Should he remain an American treasure? It's tough, man. I love Brian Williams. I definitely think his career is not over. It may be over as a newscaster, but I, I think he may return in a few years. He's so funny and likable that couldn't you see him 
getting some sort of late night show or morning show of some kind and kind of doing light news. But it's it's tough. It's, his credibility is definitely taking a hit. So I, I am going to, as the person that brought him to the table, much like Brian Williams, um, I suggest that we do a temporary removal. Okay. Uh, probation period, and yeah. then if if we, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take the uh, the vest back and put it in escrow, and yes. then we have a Swedish uh, <laughs> or we have a Swiss uh, lockbox that we can put the vest in, and then uh, we'll just see how it plays out. But temporarily, I I, I don't think he he belongs in the uh, in the American Treasure Wing and it, as much as it pains me because he's a he seems like a delightful human being. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you and say. He doesn't belong in. And by the way, if two out of the three of us uh, vote one way, that's the way it gets voted. I have to say, it's pretty dumb what he did. There's no reason for it. Uh, you're an anchor, not a reporter. Uh, I understand why he did what he did. And, and more importantly, but, he's the managing editor of that show. It sure. hurts him more as the yeah. managing editor than as an anchor. The credibility concern. Sure. Uh, I understand he did why he did what he did um, to look like a certified uh, BA to America. Um, it was horrible. It's, it's just, if you watch the Letterman interview, he goes on there and talks about in depth, the, the situation with what supposedly happened when he was in Iraq. And he just talks about it for 10 minutes and it's just blatant lying through his teeth. And he's so serious about it. And, uh, you know, this isn't the only thing he's apparently lied about. There are concerns that he lied about his hurricane Katrina coverage and, and other things. So it's just a messy situation as it stands right now. Uh, temporary suspension is a good call, in my opinion. But, you know, a month from now, the next time we talk American Treasures, he might be back and it might be an American Treasure, depending on how he handles the situation mm-hmm. and how he comes out of it. So you're right. Uh, Brian, do you have any quick thoughts on, on Brian Williams? <clears throat> no, I mean, I think you guys are right. Uh, I would say in his defense, as far as an American Treasure goes, his credibility may be hurt but it, it to me at least it's not the same as bill cosby where that damaged his legacy as far as a comedic element goes like he's still an incredible dry comedian <laughs> in a lot of ways and it doesn't i'm not I, i'll say this I, nightly news he, rules nightly yeah, rules. yes that's what i was gonna about to say it, next time i watch 30 rock even if we never again see brian williams uh behind a desk and next time i watch 30 rock that that bit is still going to crack me up. And, and, uh, so, you know, but, but I think you guys are right. We, we should suspend him. Uh, he's not allowed to come to any functions, uh, for the next however, you know, until we, until we reinstate him, if we reinstate him. So unfortunately he won't be able to come to the pro-am, which is a real, yeah, that is good. Yeah. He can Uh, caddy though. Good stuff. (laughs) Sure. But, uh, yeah, you know, he's not allowed to come to the, uh, the pro am uh, is so loft or anything like that. Yeah. But, I'm know. interested to see how Michael Fox will, will perform in the pro am. But <laughs> God, <laughs> just don't ask him to write on his own scorecard. Sorry, but, that was bad. That was that's such a Richard joke. Jeez, <laughs> I'm surprised that I got to it first. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> man. Oh wow. Well, yeah, I was I was gonna go with John Candy, but <laughs> without further ado, fellas, let's bring some nominees to the table. There are three wings. There are the actors. Uh, the North American treasures, which are people from up north, and the or theoretically from Mexico, right? Or from Mexico, okay. and uh, public figure wing, which are not necessarily actors, but people who have had great contributions to uh, American pop culture in their designated fields. So, Brian, who's your nominee? Yeah, I'm going to bring a name of uh, 
one of the most influential comedians of of the last uh, 25 years. Mm. He qualifies on the age range just this week. He just turned wow. 50. And he's not quite there on the on the twenty five years. I mean, it's it's very close, but he would have gotten there later this year anyway. Uh, I, this guy's always been on my list as a potential future uh, American treasure, but I've never brought him up because I, I there's a lot of guys. I, I said this to an email an emailer recently of there are a lot of guys that uh, and women that I think qualify for American treasure status, but I don't feel like I'm necessarily the one to, to bring them to the table. Like, I don't know that I can make the best case for them. And I think this person kind of falls into that, uh, that category. This is somebody that I would think Richard would be better to, uh, to bring to the table, but, but he's still my guy. So I'm going to bring to the table American treasure, Chris rock. Oh, oh that's ooh. actually on my short list too. I was actually Mine as well, yeah. as well, but I wasn't sure if he was 50. Sure. Yeah, he just turned 50 uh, like two days ago, according to IMDb. And uh, yeah. a, a listener emailed in recently, I think, was that was one of the ones that somebody had suggested. I don't remember the name of, of, uh, of who turned that in, but he had been on my list, and obviously you guys list for a long time. He's one of the most influential comedians of the last however many years you want to talk about. I love it. I've always loved his style. Uh, even when uh, I don't always, you know, I can't uh, as, as a, you know, in my profession, I can't exactly uh, walk around with the Chris Rock album and hand it out to kids or anything you don't like go that. Big, you don't go bigger and blacker. And you know? <laughs> um, but I, I've all, I mean, I love his style of comedy because he's so abrasively honest. And I think that's the, I don't know, that's the beauty of what he does. Like everything he says you should have this moment of like, man, that's kind of offensive. And then you're like, no, that makes a lot of sense. Like, that's exactly right. Uh, I feel like that's how he go. He does a lot of his, his bits. Great performer was thoroughly underutilized on SNL, which I think is probably one of Lauren Michaels more, uh, one of his bigger mistakes, but man, just, just a, a truly great guy who has done some amazing work, even if his best work wasn't necessarily in a movie, uh, yeah. which I think is is the, the well, you potentially the one thing out. that holds him back. I mean, it's Osmosis Jones, down to earth, <laughs> bang, bang, same year. Then he follows up with Bad Company with Anthony Hopkins, boom, follows that up with Head of State, okay? Then he throws Madagascar in there, The Longest Yard, I Think I Love My Wife. I mean, how, how do you It's just, you I think, up? I honestly... <laughs> I think it's the, definitely uh, as a the Hopkins Bad Company was seriously the last movie I saw for, with him in a theater. <laughs> and that's that's pretty sad on my part. I saw a top five. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think he's one of the best comedians ever. He's one also one of the best people ever to hear talk about comedy. He's really yes. almost philosophical yes. about it and really smart. Um, if you've ever seen Talking Funny, I think it's called on HBO with him and Louie and Jerry Seinfeld and for some reason Ricky Gervais. It's he's uh, he's really impressive and great on that. And uh, uh, he's made some. I think his he's becoming he's kind of hitting this weird peak where he's done some really cool theater in New York, and I think that's really yeah. inspired him creatively. He did uh, Good Hair in 2009, which is an awesome documentary about uh, kind of the culture of African American and females and their hair. Because he, he he has daughters and a wife, and mm-hmm. um, and then uh, top five this year was kind of his, uh, you know, his attempt at something a little more highbrow, and I think it was successful and did pretty well. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm on board. I love Chris Rock, man. That was uh, Bring the Pain. I was like nine years old, way too young to see that, and <laughs> saw it, and it was life changing. Um, and then Bigger and Blacker as well. 
uh, those back to back, that alone, that resume alone is is pretty incredible. Those two, those two are are great. So yeah, yeah, man. I, I honestly think if you were to give me a list of stand ups and say who would you rather watch on a daily basis. Yeah, if you gave yeah. me a new Chris Rock special every day, I would choose that every time. You know, oh, yeah. like he's got to be my one of my favorite stand-ups. I, Jerry Seinfeld's yeah. up there for me just because I'm the whitest person alive, so I love me some <laughs> Seinfeld. But it's funny that Jer- Jerry Seinfeld and Rock are like really good friends and hang out yeah, all the time. Sure. And uh, yeah. no, I, I don't know which one it was. It might Jerry be- loves like African American people. Like his other best friend is George Wallace. Like Jerry's just down. Jerry's with the in comedian. top five, and he never does movies. Yeah, uh, but I, it might be Kill the Messenger. Uh, it might not, but it's on Bowling for Columbine. Michael Moore uses it the the stand up routine about how we should charge for bullets instead of guns. Yeah. Like charge, <laughs> like yeah, make one like bullet five thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> like nobody would be getting shot, and if somebody gets shot, they'd be like, "Man, it's pretty." You probably <laughs> yeah, had good a good reason. Yeah, yeah, probably good reason. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, I can name dozens of his routine, stand-up routines that are just uh, classic. So Chris Rock gets a yes for me, hundred percent American Treasure. Unanimous. There are very few people as original and with as uh, original a voice in comedy as him. So boom, American Treasure, Chris Rock, awesome. Richard, I, yeah, mine is perfect. You segued beautifully for me, Brian, and uh, mine is Chris Rock's favorite musician. So I don't have to make too much of an argument in terms of resume. This man is a genius. I have to make an argument in terms of sense of humor about oneself. And I think when he released a single two years ago with Dave Chappelle as him on the cover serving pancakes, that sealed the deal. So ladies and gentlemen, American treasure Prince. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's all you got to say. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. His, uh, his also his Golden Globes performance this year when he literally <laughs> can, just walked out and the room went insane. That's all you need to know. I need to figure out a way to put the symbol as his name and not, <laughs> not Prince. I don't know if they've added that to the regular QWERTY keyboards yet, but it's about time if they do. <laughs> Prince is amazing. Uh, best SNL performance of the year by far so far. Probably a few um, years, yeah. He, the guy can shred at absolutely every single instrument. Purple Rain is a great movie. Like people forget, people listen to his yeah. music and they listen to When Doves Cry and all that, but they forget that Purple Rain was him acting. It's actually a great film, and yeah. it's a it's a classic. I mean, it really is. So he gets my vote, Brian. Yeah, I can't say anything uh, to. <laughs> I can't fight that that uh, nomination at all. Uh, I would say the the issue, of course, as you mentioned, Richard, would be what do we know about him and his uh, sense of humor about himself? He did an episode of New Girl last year, and oh, he was yeah, right. totally self aware <laughs> and really funny. And it was just like they're at a party at Prince's house, and it's just the most ridiculous house you've ever seen, and yeah. all these ridiculous, you know. And he ends up just like playing ping pong against yeah. one of the girls, like that's what he's doing in the midst of this party. So you know, he's he's definitely got my vote as well. And what's a better sense of humor than being a Vikings fan? <laughs> exactly, that does take quite a, a diehard skybox sitting Vikings fan. He's the best. Prince gets He'd my be vote. Pretty high on my list of people I would want to hang out with that are famous. He'd be. Oh, Definitely absolutely. top five. Absolutely. Good job, guys. Uh, I'll, I'll bring mine, you, oh, I'll bring mine you to the one table. Out there? Um, mine's sort of a two-parter. Okay. And this is a public figure. It's sort of a posthumous induction and sort of a non-posthumous okay. induction, and I'll explain. 
we are all fans of this guy's work. We've actually talked about his work uh, at length on this on this podcast, and he's somebody who's contributed to American culture for decades. Uh, literally invented a style of uh, comedy, and he shaped the lives of youth all around the world. I want to bring to the table American treasure Jim Henson, and also American treasure Kermit the Frog. Okay. No argument here. Because Kermit is just as big a part of Jim Henson as Jim Henson was a part of Kermit. Yeah, sure. And Kermit, Jim Henson, public figure, Kermit, uh, actor, actor, hundred percent. I'm still pissed. Kermit doesn't have an Oscar. Yeah. I, I, it'll happen eventually. We love the Muppets and, uh, who doesn't like the Muppets? Honestly, they, he, you know, he invented Sesame street, which is the longest running kids show. And I think all of us probably watched it growing up and people still continue to watch it. It wins an Emmy for like 40 years straight. Uh, for best kids show. I mean, the guy had the vision (laughs) to make the Muppets. I mean, who would have thought that would have ever worked? And, uh, he was an extremely talented person. He didn't only do the Muppets, but Jim Henson studios still does a lot of great work with practical effects and costumes and everything. Like in the, where the wild things are, he did all those costumes and the the Ninja Turtles and everything back in the nineties did all that, uh, costuming work and wire work and everything. So, uh, you know, huge contributor to film and TV and pop culture and just somebody I wish was still around, you know, he died pretty when I was pretty young. So I didn't really get a chance to see him. I do many interviews or didn't get to know him very much, but he's somebody who I look up to as a, as a, uh, creative artist and uh, contributor. So Jim Henson is a hundred percent American treasure in my opinion. And, uh, Kermit the frog, uh, what can you say? Uh, He's freaking Kermit the Frog. Who doesn't like that? So, I mean, <laughs> he worked as a reporter on Sesame Street. You know, he married a pig, for God's sake, uh, for our humor, for our amusement. He married a pig. And he has to put up with uh, Fozzie Bear on a daily basis. So that gets that gets my vote. And uh, those two are my, my inductees. So to recap, uh, for this week, we have American Treasure Chris Rock, American Treasure Prince, and American Treasure's... Jim Henson and Kermit the Frog. So quite, quite a uh, group this week, guys. Your vests are on the way. Uh, watch your PO box. Tiny Prince, feel free to purple that Kermit. up. Yeah, yeah. And for Prince, <laughs> probably the same size. Yeah, feel free to sequin <laughs> the vest, Prince. All you want. <laughs> and on that note, guys, let's move on and let's talk. No, Jupiter. No. Your Earth is a very small part of a very large industry. Right now, Balem owns the title to Earth. Once you claim it, the Earth will belong to you. I will harvest that planet tomorrow before I let her take it from me. We need a plan. We need firepower. Let me start out this review by saying this, guys. Uh, <laughs> Best movie of the year? No. <laughs> well, I got Hold on now, Kent. Have you it's... seen any other movie that actually came out in 2015 yet before the, besides oh, this one? That's a good point. So it kind of is, yeah. No, it still isn't. <laughs> it still isn't. Um, let me just say that I I understand what the Wachowskis are trying to do. Okay, really? I, I I I see they're trying to bring something to the table. Okay, and that's all that that can be said about what they've done since the Matrix. They're pri- trying to bring something exciting to the table. Something we've never seen before. Something that 
well, invigorates success. audiences around the world. Uh, you know, they've gone down in flames pretty much ever since then. And everything they've done for the past 16 years has been an, a huge failure, a colossal failure, actually. Well, Speed Racer was pretty great. Um, but, you know, I do see why they, they keep doing what they're doing because uh, that's all they know how to do is just make crappy movies that cost $200 million. Having said that, uh, this is one of the worst movies in the history of cinema. Um, I'm surprised it even came out. I'm surprised that the studio even said, we're willing to have our name on this and let people see it. You know, I'm surprised they didn't just shelve it and be like, we'll take the $175 million cut for nobody to even see this. You know, uh, that's, that's my opinion. Um, there's talent involved in this. You know, I like Sean Bean. I like, uh, Channing Tatum a lot. Uh, don't really understand Mila Kunis or the uh, attraction to Mila Kunis as an actress. Uh, beautiful girl. Uh, I don't really like her as an actress all that much. Eddie Redmayne might win Best Actor. This might negate it, though. Yeah, you know, um, this movie is such a mess. It's like they just <laughs> crap this out. Uh, not an ounce of sense is made of anything that happens on screen. Nothing is interesting. Everything comes off as cheesy and stupid and you can just tell everyone involved has no desire to be involved with this at all and um i just felt bad for everyone involved with this i honestly feel bad for channing tatum the fact that this is on his resume forever you know and What's um more embarrassing this or step up uh this oh, this 100 100 percent. this is just this is just awful guys um i want to get y'all's general thoughts now but you know don't worry about spoilers and uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on Jupiter Ascending? <laughs> I, uh, I was getting to <laughs> – it got to the point by the time we actually got to this movie and it's getting released and all that that I was actually looking forward to it because there is – I will say this. There is something special about seeing like a, a movie that you can actually put into the conversation of this is the worst – movie i've ever seen and this is definitely in that conversation now to be fair i skip a lot we all do we skip a lot of bad bad movies that we know are going to be terrible so uh you know i know (laughs) i know 50 shades of gray is going to be terrible next week so i don't i I definitely do not need to uh to see 100 or on tomatoes brian (laughs) okay uh sure um Tammy, we knew Tammy was going to be terrible. We did not have to see it. So, look, we skip a lot of movies. So, t- for me to say worst movie I've ever seen, you, you know, you have to qualify that. Sorry. Right, nice. You have to qualify it by saying I, you know, I, I skip a lot of movies that are going to be really bad. So, that's there. But there's something special about this. Really, could be the worst movie I've ever seen. And so, I sat down. And I started texting Richard because I know Kent doesn't like to talk about movies before we get on the podcast. Yeah, you're right. So I, I started texting Richard and our friend Jason, who's been on the show a couple times, and uh, and just did like live commentary for like 45 minutes because within the first five minutes of the movie, I was pretty sure I was seeing the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And uh, all turned. <laughs> so this is going right. I mean, it, 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 it's, I don't know if it's the worst movie I've ever seen, but it is definitely, uh, it is definitely on the table. And, uh, I, I'll say this. I, I had a thought going in, I saw this movie, the movie started like four fifty or something in the afternoon. 
And I thought to myself, I've got a free night. I may end up, I may double feature this and go see Seventh Son right afterwards because I think it would be funny to be able to say, I saw the worst two movies I've ever seen on the same day. Like, yeah, for whatever reason, like that had some appeal to me. And oh. 20 minutes into Jupiter Ascending, I was like, nope, can't do it. There's no way I'm going to yeah. be able to, to go and sit through another two hours of bad movie because there is, there is nothing good about Jupiter Ascending at all. And it's so, it is so bad that people need to see it. Like that's I, I feel like that's a I want to be able to talk about this movie with with my friends and, and loved ones uh, and listeners and all that sort of stuff. So like I I'm encouraging the listener to give money to the Wachowskis uh, because at this point it doesn't matter. They're not going to get to make another movie, so we're not going to help them uh, make a, another horrible horrible movie, which is all they're capable of doing. But uh, but this needs to be this needs to be big enough that I can bring it up in conversation at a party and people will have seen it and can engage with me because it's just it is so bad. And there's not one there really isn't one redeeming quality. The only thing I I said, I think I said this to Richard while I was watching was the only thing that could save this as far as is that the worst movie I've ever seen is that it is so incredibly silly that I think that there's there's enough people who can say it's stupid and terrible and and dumb, but I I had maybe not had fun with it, but I was able to check out on from a pure silliness level. I'm not in that camp. I'm gonna imagine you two are not in that camp, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I can see how somebody could say that as long as they acknowledge it's a terrible terrible movie. I just had fun with it. I didn't. I thought it was horrible. And and I there's not an original thought within this movie. It's like we took it's like they took every sci-fi movie of the last 35 years and took the worst idea from those movies yes. and then turned it in and then put it into their own uh feature film. Look, I mean, look, we're we're you know, 20 in 2015 there aren't that many original ideas especially when you go into sci-fi and fantasy and stuff like that. We're all borrowing from each other in pretty much every sci-fi film and that's fine. It's all about what you do with it. Uh what the Wachowskis did with it is throw together a vomit. <laughs> just just the worst the worst kind of conglomerate cluster mess of of sci-fi jargon that you could possibly come up with and delivered it to us uh thanks to a 176 million dollar budget which head should be rolling for that at the studio. There I I, I don't I don't understand how this how they how this got through the pitch because yes, the, exactly. That's my biggest question. How this even happened? So bad. Like, well, we got uh, we got Channing Tatum. Okay, great. He's you know he's he's getting big. That's awesome. We got Mila Kunis. All right, that's that's wonderful. Uh, now, what about the what about it's a sci fi epic, man? Oh, okay, but like what are oh, yeah? It's like a space opera. Uh, that makes me a little nervous. But what you know? What is it that's going to pull this whole thing together? Well, let me tell you this: Channing Tatum is a space werewolf. Oh well, that that makes a lot of sense. And space space werewolf angel. Let's be yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Mila Kunis is uh, is a reincarnated queen from another galaxy, and uh, it all takes place sort of inside Jupiter, like like on the planet Jupiter. No, like in the cloud that surrounds Jupiter. Like a lot of it takes place there. I'm sold. Like, how in the world did this get greenlit? Uh, I imagine people are getting fired today. Uh, anyway. This is, 
I, I feel pretty confident this is the worst movie I'm going to see this year and definitely has a place on like the, probably the 10 worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, I just can't believe that this is a real thing in well, a lot got, of ways. Got bad news for you, Brian. It's actually not doing as bad as you would think money-wise. Especially it was overseas. number one internationally. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, made not, it's made fifty mil of that right. of that hundred seventy five back, which is which is about forty nine million more than it deserves. <laughs> Richard, wow. what are your uh, first of all? How long did you make it? Well, first I, I always write it down in my phone. I time it and uh, get away with it. So when I when I know that uh, it's going to be one that is likely I may not make it all the way through. So first, you guys have to guess. I'm going to go 29 minutes. Oh, okay. Brian? Going low. I like it. Whoa, I'm going to wow. go. I'm going to go 43 minutes. Actual retail <laughs> price? <laughs> 70 minutes. Oh, wow. wow! Over an hour. I'm impressed, Richard. I'm impressed. Look at you. You've come a oh, long way. Getting sir. all big, grown up, and <laughs> make it. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> Only, only because, like you said, Brian, it was so silly that I just wanted to. I didn't want to. It's this is proof of my friendship with you guys. I wanted to take in as many kind of cultural touchstones as I could so that I could converse on it. Yeah, yeah, same. I didn't want to be not be able to take in. You know, I didn't want to be able to not. I didn't want to not be able to talk. Uh, Jupe, as I call it. <laughs> okay, so um, I, yeah, I, I pieced out. Um, Kind of, uh, I think like right when he's kind of telling them about when he's kind of telling it's a, is it Kane? Is that his name? Yeah, I think so. That sounds Kane is, is Channing Tatum. Yeah, yeah. When Kane's kind of like telling her about the the family history, yeah, right around that's, there. That's the part when I knew hmm. it's like if Richard makes it this far. <laughs> yeah, it was shortly. <laughs> <laughs> it was shortly after uh, that where it kind of explains the logic. So, yeah. So, I was talking about this. So, you guys know I'm not a big fan of The Matrix. I think and – I, and I said this to Brian. I, th- I think when we were at the uh, – when we recorded live. But I, the thing that bothers me about The Matrix, I finally figured out a way to kind of say it, is like I feel like The Matrix was a movie at that time in the world with the kind of the philosophy of the digital age going on. Someone was going to make that movie mm-hmm. and they just happened to do it. I don't think it's – especially indicative of their talent as the rest of their career has shown. And they made yeah. it and that's great. But it's to me, it's like a movie that was super original at the time, but somewhere between 1998 and 2003, someone was going to make that a version of that movie. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a, whatever. So that's kind of my take on the matrix, not being a huge, huge, by the way, it, the listener can go listen to our matrix episode. We did do on this past year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They want the full conversation, but continue. But I will, what I will say about the matrix is, as with kind of the intention of sci-fi, you know, it's they're all just most sci-fi movies or in books or whatever are are kind of very parabolic. Is that a word? It, they're they're fables and they're parables and they they tell you something about something by using you know metaphor or whatever. The Matrix definitely does that. You know, successful in probably is showing some kind of highbrow ideas with kind of lowbrow action and things like that. That's, that's what good sci-fi does. And that's really cool. And, uh, this teaches you nothing. Like there's, this movie yeah. says nothing mm-hmm. and I don't, and it's so silly and there's no way they thought it did. I, I I'm so fascinated yes. at the, at the, 
production. Like, why would you sign on when reading the script? Because it's not like the Wachowskis are turning out hit after hit after hit. It's not right. like a surprise. Like, you know, when when Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear signed on for Stuck on You, I get that because the last yeah. four, whatever those Fairly Brothers movies had been huge hits. So I get that. But with with the Wachowskis, it's like they, they you know, Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas. I don't, I don't know. I mean, think about Will Smith saying no to The Matrix in favor of Wild Wild West. I mean, I, I see that like when Tom Hanks got offered Cloud Atlas, he's like, well, this could be The Matrix, <laughs> you know? And same yeah. with Channing Tatum's like, the last thing they want is to say no to something and have it be the biggest thing in ever, you know? Yeah. But that's over now. Like yeah. That, that can't happen anymore. You here. This I did is the math proof. Yeah. While you guys were, were talking. Uh, so the, the second two Matrix movies are terrible. Like they're really bad, I think. But they've made a lot of money. So that's that's fine. But their three films since then now have cost just under $400 million. Like wow. $398 million. Do we and, give them credit for V for Vendetta? Because they wrote that script, right? I guess. No, we don't. I, don't yeah, I don't credit. think that qualifies but uh because that's a good movie uh, sure their movies have made 276 million dollars in that time those three movies and that's with an insane gross for for cloud atlas overseas it made 103 million dollars overseas uh as opposed to 27 here i i didn't know that it was such a huge hit overseas but so they've lost well you know by the time jupiter ascending ends its major theatrical run in a week or so uh they will have lost over 100 million dollars and that has nothing to do with the pre, the uh the marketing and all that sort of stuff which has to be pretty substantial because they've sure. tried to sell some turds and that you know you spend a lot of money when you're trying to pass something off as good yeah, uh, i know yeah definitely so i have to that's how we market this podcast it's surprising to <laughs> it's surprising to figure out that um, they are very self aware about themselves. The Wachowskis. I read an interview with IndieWire, uh, in which they talk about this film, or actually, it's the Wall Street Journal. And uh, Lana Wachowski says, "Everyone says, why can't you be simpler? Uh, we're drawn towards difficult subjects like disparity and uh, the rich and the poor. We've been lucky. People at studios have been interested in our crazy, strange brand of complexity, of complexity, and we've been allowed to keep making them. Will that continue? Probably not. So they they're just as confused. Like, why do you want to make this? You know, they yeah. they think their their ideas are crazy." And they're they surprised that people are giving them two hundred million dollars to make these movies, yeah. and it's yeah. just it's crazy. And Andy adds at the end, "It was a good run." <laughs> like they know that this is the end. It's like they can only bring these ridiculous ideas to the public and have them reject them so many times before they. Can we they quit assign making. one Wachowski to one Fairly and just see them have them <laughs> each make a movie and just see which one's better, and then we have to get rid of the other two. <laughs> yeah, I would be down. <laughs> be down for that. Or, I think the fair, Fairleys are done after Dumb and Dumber too, though. That's like that's saying. it. They, that was the last kind of straw. Both yeah. in the same, except that Dumb and Dumber three may be well on its way. Yeah. But, oh, geez. that one made money at least. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, I would like a Larry which or pardon me, Lana Wachowski, Peter Fairley, Andy Wachowski, Bobby Fairley, and then they release them on the same day, or very, you know, like those Eastwood, Iwo Jima, and Flags of Our Fathers movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, we tell the same story from different angles, and we just see who's better. Okay, let's get into specifics here, guys. We haven't even really no, talked thanks. about the movie. I'm out, guys. Um, Great show. Really enjoyed it. And uh, 
this this is going to be I can already tell this is going to be the now you see me in draft day of this year. Uh, now you see me 2013 draft day was last year. This is already going to be the one that we're going to talk about for the rest of the year and mm-hmm. and bring up. So I just want to start off with the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I can't even get it out. The beginning of the movie when Jupiter's parents are looking to the stars or her dad God. is. Oh. And uh, her mother says, you can't name our child after a planet. Yeah. And her dad says, it's not any planet. It's the biggest planet in the solar system. God. As if the audience doesn't know what Jupiter is. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like that they have to inform the audience sense. that it's guys, the biggest they took, they took this movie to Sundance, guys. Like, <laughs> I, that's all I could think about for the first 30 minutes of the movie was... <laughs> what in the world were they thinking when they saw this movie? This is Warner Brothers, right? This is that's yes, who did yes, it. Yeah, that's their of studio. Course. What was Warner Brothers thinking when they got a test run of this film? Were like, you know, who's gonna love this Sundance Film Festival? Like, no, no, I just let's get Bobby Reds on the line. <laughs> See what he thinks of this. They should have taken it to Cannes. It probably would have played great, <laughs> great over there. With the uh, the foreign audiences do love it, but uh, so it started off with a bang right at the beginning, with uh, with a great dialogue sequence. Jupiter is born into a Russian family, I believe, and we know they're Russian because her mom makes a reference to Stalin. So that's how we know they're not heavy handed at all. Not heavy. No, not at all. Because all all Russian people go around talking about Stalin all day, uh, from what I can gather in this film. (laughs) (laughs) It's something we just want to bring right to the right to the forefront. A little Trotsky talk, a little Stalin and Lenin talk. (laughs) That's pretty much all there every day. That's all Russians do. Yeah. Hold Um, on. Let me open up this Tolstoy book. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We we meet Kane, Channing Tatum's character. Who is, looks absolutely ridiculous? I'm surprised. I wish that just had been Michael Caine. He was. <laughs> I'm surprised Channing Tatum even agreed to sit in the makeup chair every day for this, <laughs> and walked out and walked to set. He had to have been thinking, "What the crap am I doing with my life?" Right I now? made this joke to you guys earlier in the year, but I hope the creators of The Hangover wrote him an email that just said, "Ha ha 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 Exactly. Like them when uh, Twenty Two Jump Street beat their uh, their record because this is ultimate vengeance. It, especially, I bet Jonah Hill made fun of Channing Tatum so hard for this. Just like Channing makes fun of him for like the sitter and the watch, you know. I bet his friends are just gonna yeah. never let him let this down. Um, but he's ridiculous. But but he has plasma skates, guys. Gosh. The first scene we see him rollerblading. Which is, you know, everyone still rollerblades, so that's relevant. Uh, plasma rollerblading. It's got done. And um, has a little fight outside, which, by the way, uh, something that was at least admirable about The Matrix was that they the, the fight sequences are fairly well shot. Uh, yeah. There's not one watchable moment in this film of... Yeah. Anything that involves action. I think it looks terrible. Like Awful. I'm looking at reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and, and there's a bunch of them. Even the negative ones are saying things like, you know, it looks great. Whatever. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. I thought it looked like I thought it looked worse than a video game. It's terrible. It looks terrible. Yeah, it it looks believable. I mean, they <laughs> nothing looks like CGI. I was lost in a world, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Same with me. And we meet uh, we meet uh, Mila Kunis's Jupiter character and which uh, in case you guys don't know is the largest planet in the solar system it it is (laughs) just a little context there yeah okay (laughs) 
we we see her and uh her friend is randomly being uh raped by gray aliens and this doesn't concern her at all doesn't even uh make a face doesn't scream yeah she just takes simply a, takes a out picture. her phone yeah. to take a picture Ugh. and uh but her mom calls while she's trying to take the picture isn't so that bad. convenient Mom's so bad mom and then she doesn't take out her phone to look at the picture till like yeah. 15 minutes later in the movie yeah, like, in the movie like a whole day later before <laughs> she oh yeah maybe i should uh check on my friend uh who was abducted by gray aliens uh so that was ridiculous uh, the iphone uh gray alien picture i still don't know what that meant or well, so look, why that got, had to happen you hate on her for sending a picture but sometimes you got to snap snappers got to snap sometimes you know <laughs> so apparently jupiter reached an agreement to sell her eggs to a fertility clinic and <laughs> Walks or not her, but her roommate's eggs or uh, it's, it's her. It's, it's her un, eggs. It's, it's her. It's her cousin that sets this oh, okay, whole okay. up. Okay, okay. Because that's My bad. Walks into the fertility clinic and they say, "You're Kath, right?" And she says, "Yep." And they go, "Come right this way." <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to show any form of identification yeah. whatsoever yeah. to get into a fertility clinic. <laughs> <laughs> How could they write this? How could they sit at a table? You promise your cat? You promise? Okay. Yep. Okay. Like, how many more references to like women's bodily functions did they have to make in this movie? I mean, well, I'm guessing those were Lana's idea. Like the royal to... bowels. That was a great line. <laughs> I'm gonna get there. I'm Are you still there, there for that, Richard? I don't. Uh, doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, I, I was pretty Tatum, tuned out. Channing Tatum. Uh, Walks into her her chambers in in the space station or whatever uh-huh. they're in, and uh, and hands her some pills and says something to the effect of, "You want to take these? Space travel can be hell on the bow on the royal bowels." And oh, she says, "Well, my bowels are anything but royal." I mean, because aliens have bowels. I mean, al- aliens you know eat and have to crap just like everybody else. <laughs> oh, you know? so Didn't glad you know they that? set that up. Yeah, yeah that's everybody good poops, guys. Yeah, <laughs> even. Space werewolves. Yeah. <laughs> Mila Kunis meets Kane and asks him the question, oh my gosh, are those flying boots? As if she had heard of flying boots before and was surprised yeah. that guy, like, like you see a guy with like a limited edition Jordans on the street, yeah. you know, say, are those, those Jordans? Like, what is she talking about? That, are those that is boots? one of the worst parts of this movie is that like... I'm not going to hang it all on Mila Kunis. I don't think Mila Kunis is a particularly good actress, but, you know, she's fine. But yeah. I just don't think she was given anything to, to work with. And and the idea that all of these things happen to her, she sees these gray aliens, she almost gets murdered by the gray aliens, a space werewolf tears into the room with gravity boots or, or speed skating and air boots or something. Ever. And she Yeah, and she's just like, oh, okay, like there's no... Well, I mean, come on. You know, she's so checked out. She's like in her happy place. Like when <laughs> kids are abused, it's like she's yeah. just totally in another world. Like, I mean, uh, it was it, that to me was that was a, indicative of the whole thing of like, I think somewhere there's probably a four hour version of this movie because I don't know if, if you caught this, Kent, but like I only notice editing when it's really, really great or mm-hmm. really, really bad. And there is no connection between 
between one scene to the next in this movie yeah. the entire time it always feels like the last scene ended there was 20 minutes of other stuff that got cut out and then they just went straight into the next scene like it doesn't it doesn't flow at all so maybe somewhere on the cutting room floor there's like some scene of her going through the shock of finding out that you know she's the queen of the galaxy and stuff but um that definitely never comes through in the movie that we get to see uh that we're privileged to see yeah this this all seems so possible to her yeah like this all seems so she, she well, goes she's named after the largest planet in our solar system i mean she has a pretty good understanding of space <laughs> oh there's i can't even i can't even comment there's a battle in the Right after they meet, there's a battle in the city in which Channing Tatum fights off a horde of aliens, uh, destroys the whole city, yeah. and they're flying away in some sort of craft. And she says, what about the city? And Channing Tatum's like, don't worry about it. And we see the city being repaired in the yeah. background while we hear sirens, mind you. Yeah. So we yeah. know that the authorities know that this damage has occurred. Nobody don't worry. They have the men in black flashy thing, so yes. they'll just make them all forget it. <laughs> they said that. I mean, they didn't say the flashy thing, but that's what he says. He's like, yeah, we've got – they'll make them forget it. I'm like, oh, okay, so you just stole that. T- okay, that's fine. Sure. So they're driving – It's a collage, Brian. They're driving <laughs> yeah. to meet Sean Bean's character at his, uh, at his humble abode in a cornfield, by the way, which is not derivative at all. No, no movies lately have cornfields uh, in them at all. They're driving through a cornfield and – He's been hurt, uh, Channing Tatum. But luckily, guys, luckily they were in a female's car. So what do they do? <laughs> they pull out a feminine hygiene product to stop the bleeding. Right. Another idea <sighs> created by Lana Wachowski. And uh, we <laughs> – they were driving a Mercury Sable, guys. Like who who doesn't have a Mercury Sable? <laughs> When's the last time you saw a Mercury Sable well, on the streets, have- let alone in a – a film, a blockbuster film. <laughs> well, it's a lot of it's product placement for a company that no longer exists. Yeah, exactly. What is going? You know, honestly, but Mercury's uh, a planet, guys. So, did you see the illusion exact, there? Because that's exactly it. Exactly. That was it's deep, man. Because surprised they didn't use a Saturn. It's Jupiter in a Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and, surprised. Um, yeah, it, it, that is. I've never thought about that. That Mercury and Saturn are both gone. Not a good. Not a good decade for. You know, yeah. solar-based car companies. <laughs> yeah, the Ford Pluto is still running hard in Mexico. <laughs> it is. We have a uh, scene in which they get to Sean Bean's house, and Mila Kunis is swarmed by bees, which doesn't phase her at all. Uh, completely yeah. normal. No one would just... run away panicking if five thousand bees swarmed them. Uh, but uh, what are they doing? Oh, so apparently bees. Yeah, do you uh, know people's the line? genetics? Yes, yeah. you have the line written down. Yeah, I, I do, I do. The, uh, <laughs> the line that Sean Bean says as they kneel because this is how they recognize that she's uh, the reincarnated queen because the bees don't sting her. And he says, "You've never been stung by a bee, have you, Your Majesty? <laughs> bees are genetically designed to recognize royalty." <laughs> How did they read that script? <laughs> That's an actual in the, line yeah. in a the movie. They had $178 million, and that is a line in this movie. How mm. how did they even come up with that scene? Uh, how did they sit in a room and say, how are we going to let the audience know that this girl is royalty? Yeah. Well, maybe if an insect swarm her, they don't harm her. That's how they'll know that she's royalty. Like, what, 
what perversion of an idea did that come from? Did that stem from? It has no context. Bees have nothing to do with anything in this well, movie. Well, they, ha- they have a queen. I don't... Ah! And, there it is. They, so she, she's a bee? She's an insect? I really what? thought Sean Bean was going to turn into some sort of a bee hybrid thing. When yeah. his name was Stinger, and there's all these bees, and we know oh, that Jenny okay. is a space werewolf, I was... A hundred percent sure he was turning into a bee at some point. Well, maybe they're saving that for the sequel. I we'll, man, I we'll hope to, so. We'll have to see. Setting up a franchise here. Uh, we have to talk about. We have to talk about Eddie Redmayne. So, the, so Sean Bean lived all the way through. Yeah, because they don't even respect movies enough to kill him off. Because <laughs> yeah, you got to stick with the tradition, guys. Uh, if we set a precedent, you need to be. You need to stick with he it. It's to turn evil and then be killed. Um, I do not understand what was happening with Eddie Redmayne here. Oh, oh my gosh. This might... The I know he pl- lost himself an Oscar. He That's, did. Uh, I'm not even kidding. How I, How could anyone how have How bummed for was he when this him? didn't come out this summer? Because he was yeah, like yes. probably thinking it's bad, but then I'll... It'll be before my Oscar push, and I'll be yeah. it all even out, and then... Oh, I don't know. He might have been uh, stoked that no one was going to see it before sending in the nominations. You know, I would personally be... Uh, the the only performance I can think of that's comparable to this is John Travolta in Battlefield Earth. Oh yeah, <laughs> like this felt yeah. very similar to that. Well, just yeah, great. He, he sounds like uh, you guys have all seen Galaxy Quest, right? Yes. Yeah, he sounded like the leader of the the actual Martians. The we need your help, like that that bit. Uh, yeah, but like doing a Marlon that's his actual accent. Yeah, it, dude, it's so bad. How did he think that was that was good? That that was He's something that people would want doing what, doing what they yeah. told him to do. And there's a lot of like, there's so much CGI and green screen that. I don't think any of the actors could obviously they couldn't possibly know what it's actually going to look like when he is acting opposite um, a dragon creature yeah. that looks like that looks like the Koopas from the Super Mario Brothers movie, like <laughs> except less realistic. Believe except it or not. less realistic. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. No, At I least don't. That was in five bit or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it. Every scene with him is just a huge cringe. It's just, it's hard to watch, honestly, and oh, it, yeah. it hurts me to see him do that. And I mean, I gotta say, the Wachowskis have to be the worst people at directing performances that I have ever seen. I mean, <laughs> when you, <laughs> it, it's fine. I mean, stiff dialogue is fine if you're Morpheus. Because that's Morpheus's character, or at least what we think Morpheus should be like, uh, to talk in a very robotic uh, tone. But not when it's every single character in a movie. Uh, there's not one emotion shown with anybody in this movie. Um, yeah. I just – I think Mila Kunis might honestly be bad. That's That might be me. I mean she might have not given them anything to work with uh, if you're going to go there with it. But uh, – Bees don't lie, guys. Bees don't lie. Um, so, so we see that she gets the money from the – or doesn't get the money from the fertility clinic because she was abducted by gray aliens, of course. Right. And uh, her cousin had already purchased a flat God. screen TV. That might be the – that might be the <laughs> the scene in the movie that, that most exemplifies – how awful this movie is because there's literally no reason for that scene to be in the movie. And all it did <laughs> is just serve to 
like give some random B actor a line or two and let him perform worse than like what you would see at a high school play. I mean, it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't need to exist. And it's like, yeah, that's how this whole movie is. Like this does not need to exist period. But his concern over it is what's most troubling. The only concern that's shown by any character in the film is when he doesn't know what to do with a flat screen TV as if he lives in a world where (laughs) refunds don't exist. Take it back, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Sell it. What do you, Take the Roomba back while you're at it, buddy. But it yeah. sets up a stellar joke at the end. Gosh. Where he goes, oh, I'm, so all, Kane, I'm all ears. So Kane's going to be here for a long time. Does he need a TV? <laughs> oh, man. That one just oh. killed in the screening I was in. Just killed. Uh, by the way, there were three people in my screening. Uh, so Dude, I had a half full theater, and I was oh my gosh. for the human race because they enjoyed <laughs> some of this movie. And I. I really thought about standing up and giving an impassioned speech about why they should not be allowed to breed like the entire, I mean, it was, yeah, it's incredible how much of this movie felt ripped off from, yes, uh, attack of the clones and the revenge of the Sith. Like, why is that something we ever need to revisit? (laughs) I really liked the part towards the end, like a very dramatic, important climactic scene in which, uh, Mila Kunis threatens Eddie Redmayne's character uh, it, not with vengeance, not with war, but that if he does this, she's going to take him to tax court. That's what she, that's how she threatens him. Yeah. Because if there's anything we all love about the Star Wars, uh, Star Wars movies, it's the Trade Federation stuff. That's, yes. that's definitely the best part of Star Wars that we should totally rip off. Not like, only that, but the settings. I mean, half this movie takes yeah. place on Coruscant, which yeah. was criticized for looking like a... a child's video game i mean it just looks the production design is terrible on this movie and man by the way these cities exist in the eye of the hurricane of jupiter the most toxic environment in the solar system yeah but humans can breed there now it's fine no and and they are humans by the way we should be clear they're not aliens they're humans that's the whole bit like they're humans that have planted other humans on earth at some point in the past, in the the billions of years in the past. So oh, okay, I was I thought Ch- I was I was referring to Channing Tatum when I said he was an alien. I thought Channing Tatum was the only alien, or or like he says in the film, he's more a dog than he is a human. Yeah, he's and he's uh, Mila Kunis proceeds to still make out with him throughout the film, oh, even though know. she's clearly aware that he's like a dog. She makes <laughs> poor choices of men. She talks about it in the yeah, movie. She does. She had superpower. It would be to make better choices with the men that she likes. So I mean, we guys, come on. <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoyed the plot point where um, Channing Tatum jumps on top of a spaceship as it makes an intergalactic flight to some random planet or solar system or whatever, just hangs out on top of it through through the space flight. And then later in the movie, there's a big plot point on him getting kicked out of an airlock and he can't breathe. Yes. So that that makes sense. (laughs) Makes a lot of sense. Oh, forgot about that <laughs> wow that's that's terrible we 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 find out that jupiter is being roped into a marriage that she doesn't want to be in because that's not uh no films have done that mm-hmm. and we find out that the person that tells her about the marriage is fourteen thousand years old right. for no reason it doesn't she could be a hundred years old she could be 200 years old she could be 25 
She tells us she's 14,000 years old. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't mean anything. Well, but that's epic, Kent. Yeah. You, you got it. We got to make but a she's space old. epic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And uh, she can bathe in a, in a pool and we can see a butt <laughs> in a PG-13 movie. So, I mean, isn't that's that the, awesome? A PG-13 movie that is clearly <laughs> geared – the only person that could enjoy this movie is like a 14-year-old boy. So, like <laughs> – it's it's strange. It's strange. It's strange. I don't know. There are so many things in the movie that they have on this this other planet or on Jupiter or space station or wherever they are <laughs> that are just things from Earth. Like they yeah. make a reference to changing light bulbs. They yeah. don't change light bulbs in Andromeda. They don't they have other ways of creating light. They have energy sources. They don't like Thomas Edison made a light bulb because we needed light, you know, like I don't see they have at the wedding. They have like 25,000 candles as if candles are a thing on other. Pla- I just don't, they didn't, they didn't draw the line between what's earth and what's not. It's just everything exists as everything now. And I just, I don't, I don't understand the justification behind any of this stuff. I mean, no. some of it's like plasma swords and grenades and, you know, plasma rollerblades, but then and, they have candles. Yeah, really so, ineffective so, weapons that like don't yeah. don't really do any damage do at all. Any they damage. just like blow you backwards like it's a, a I don't know, like a giant air compressor, basically. Uh, yeah. Uh I did you see this in three D, Brian? Oh no, of course yeah, not. Yeah, neither did no. I. <laughs> I mean, there are several shots in the film that are of nothing. Yeah. I mean, there are seconds that go by that are of nothing. I just can't see how they Got the shots back from whatever studio did this. I hope it's not ILM or what or any of the premier uh, effects houses. But how can you watch a a sequence and there will be five seconds of nothing and be like, that's good. Mm. I hate movies where the camera shakes in an action scene and the blur is so fast that you can't see anything that happened. I mean, I just don't understand the logic. I don't see why they do it. I mean, to create realism, I mean, you're trying to create realism in a, in a sci-fi. I just don't care. I mean, (laughs) they don't know how, honestly, they don't know how to make, they don't know how to make a good movie. They just don't. And and that's sad because, you know, for Richard's right. Like I, I had never thought of the point of, I think, I think he's totally right though, that at some point somebody would have made the matrix in that five year window. Maybe it wouldn't have been as good as the matrix was or revolutionary or anything like that, but they made a great movie at, at least for the time. And they don't know how to do it anymore. And they, I mean, it's just, just straight up. They don't have the skill set to do that at this point. And yeah. we, we have the proof. Like we've seen enough. This is not, this is not a, a lull or a dip or, uh, you know, like we just had a, a bad, a slump, you know, or something like that. Like they cannot make a good movie. It's just, that's just how it is now. Yeah. I mean, all they do, and this has been proven in the matrix and you can go, you can watch like short little YouTube documentaries on it about how I think it's called everything's a remix, the matrix in which mm-hmm. they show Basically, every scene in the Matrix was ripped off from something else, and they put them well, side by yeah. side, and it's like camera angles are the same, movement of the actors are the same, and uh, they do it so well that it seems new. And mm. I, I see that they were trying to do this uh, with this film, uh, but you know, a- Alien Engineers has never been done, guys. 
there's yeah, never yeah. been a film about yeah. how aliens put I mean, us here uh, to create a, a hybrid species. There's never least, been. A, yeah. yeah. If you're going to do all this stuff, because they do, they take off. Like, I, I just sat there as I was watching it, and I should have written down every time I thought of a movie that I felt like this was ripping from. And it's, you know, it's Dune, and it's t- freaking Twilight, and uh, Star Wars, and in any movie that you that you want to you want to speak of, really, they they kind of ripped it off. But it's what you do with it, and they they don't they don't have anything interesting to say yeah. with what they're pulling together, and so it just all it does is come across as almost like it's almost like thirty vignettes featuring the same characters ripping off better movies <laughs> it's just like yeah this is I, it's really really bad and you see why it's it was delayed so many times and you see why uh they haven't been out really um uh, really pushing it or anything like that as far you know advertising and all that sort of stuff because this is a disaster of a movie and i don't know man like i don't feel like i Look, mu- art is subjective. We all agree on that. Music and art Unless and music. It's this. I don't see how any <laughs> there are 35 positive reviews for this on Rotten Tomatoes and I'm sorry, this is not a good movie and there is not a way that you can convince I don't feel like there's a way that you can you could look yourself in the mirror and say that this is a good movie or that it's even a decent movie. Like there is not a chance that this is that this movie could possibly be better if you gave it Every benefit of the doubt. If you, uh, if you, if you just completely stuck your head in the sand and pretended like you didn't see this, this, and this, there's no way this movie can be better than like a C at the absolute best. And that is yeah. not a good movie. And I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how anyone could watch this movie and come out saying to me, if if you are in that camp, a we want to hear from you because I'd love to hear the the reasoning. Honestly, I really would. But to me, it comes across as. There's Wachowski fanboys, and they will not accept that they suck. And that's, you know, that's hard. We had to do it. Kent and I had to do it with George Lucas. You know, yeah, we, yeah. we had to decide. I, you know, when I saw Phantom Menace for the first time, I refused to acknowledge that it was a bad movie. And I did so. I, I kept that. I felt that way for, for a long time. Like, I just refused to do it because that was my favorite thing. <laughs> and I loved right. star Wars so much, but it finally had to come to a point where I acknowledge he's not a good filmmaker. He got, he, he caught lightning in a bottle. He had a great idea and he surrounded himself with great people early on in the process and made three great movies, but that's gone now and he can't do it anymore. And that's what's happening to me. That's what's happening with the Wachowskis. If you're a fan, it's hard to acknowledge when the thing that you're a fan of is no longer good. And that's, to me, that's the only way you could come out saying, yeah, that was a pretty good movie. It, this is this is a terrible movie. Yeah, we like Big Loud and Dumb. We've proved it. Uh, we liked Pacific Rim. We liked Godzilla. Uh, but, you know, and that's what the, that's what the uh, approvers are going to say of this is like, well, it's just some big, dumb blockbuster. It shouldn't be taken as anything more than that. Well, yes, it should because it's the Wachowskis. Right. And everything they do, they try to make like this big artistic statement. And uh, I saw a tweet by um, by a fellow pod, film podcaster uh, who shall rename uh, nameless <clears throat> slash filmcast, and they said something to the effect of 
just saw Jupiter Ascending. Man, that was such a fun ride. And no. unfollowed immediately. And I was like, how could you be- no. take yourself seriously as a critic and walk away saying that that was something yeah. that should be admired? I just you know, don't. No. I just don't uh, yeah, know. I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and, and yeah, I'm with you. And I don't feel like I take that tack very often. Like, I, you know, opinion is opinion and whatever. But um, but no, it, the only <laughs> thing positive you can say about this is that it's ambitious. You can give them that. Yes, I can yeah. give them. That's what, that's what I, project, that was why I prefaced my, my comments was saying, yeah. I know what they're trying to do here, sure. but it just fails. But it's a mess. It yeah. like day one, it should have been like, we got this idea. Nope. It's not, we're not going to, we, no, no, no one's going to give you money to do this. So let's move on guys. I'm spent on talking yeah. about this. I'll give a grade. The uh, patented, trademarked, copyrighted Kent Garrison, F minus minus minus. <laughs> Brian, yeah, it's an F. And and uh, look, I I got a buddy. I talked about it on the year in review. I've got a friend who uh, who thought Draft Day was a pretty decent movie, and uh, and I he texts me about it every once in a while, and just kind of and it, so we have a, an interesting back and forth on that. But I texted him and said, Draft Day was my number one worst movie of the year last year. And uh, I would watch that every single day for the rest of my life, rather than <laughs> rather than watch oh, hands down. once yeah. again. It, it it puts any movie that we've had personally that I've had as you know one of the worst movies of the year the last couple of years that we've been doing this pales in comparison to uh, to this. This is it really is. I I I can't think of ten worst movies off the top of my head. I cannot think of ten worst movies that I've ever seen. Richard, a, a New Hope, Empire. No. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> I want to say F or F minus, but we did get to see some butt, so I'm going to go C. No, uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go F. F. Uh, I might go G. Can I go G? Yeah, you can go G. Okay, sure. I would. No, I'll go F. F minus. I'll pay you your your uh, your copyright fee on that. Hopefully they got yeah. the bad movies out of the way this weekend. I mean, hopefully Seventh Son, Jupiter Ascending is it. I mean, I, I've looked at the schedule. I, I can't see any notables that are on the horizon that look completely terrible. Correct me if I'm wrong. But there might be some this year, but I, I actually Entourage, I can say. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to that one. But hey, Entourage 2 is already greenlit, so apparently it's not awful. Great sign. It's because they know how to make money, not because it's, it's going to be something oh, great. yeah! We uh, yeah. it should be noted about how great this is that SpongeBob SquarePants Sponge Out of Water made more money than Jupiter Ascending, Seventh Son, and American Sniper combined last weekend. So that tells you where the American <laughs> landscape of, of film is at. Yeah, and the funny thing was like it was difficult to find a screening at the right time for Jupiter Ascending because yeah. SpongeBob had more showings than both Seventh Son and uh, Jupiter Ascending combined. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I, I, I've heard SpongeBob is actually fine, which uh, surprises me, but I uh, haven't seen it yet, so I can't say. Uh, so let's move on, guys. Enough of this conversation. Let's give a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. I am going to uh, call dibs on this and go ahead and recommend... The Breaking Bad spinoff, Better Call Saul. Oh, man. I'm two episodes in. Uh, nice. the, the first one premiered after the season uh, the season five, I guess, half-season premiere of The Walking Dead last Sunday, which, by the way, if you're not caught up on The Walking Dead, if you're a couple seasons behind, if you haven't started, 
Season five is greatness. I mean, it's really getting into a good groove. So watch The Walking Dead. I would always recommend that. But Better Call Saul came on right after it. And this is going to be big. I mean, this is going to be a, a show. It has the potential to be a Breaking Bad type show. I mean, I'm sure they've already brought characters from Breaking Bad into it just in the first two episodes. Uh, from what I can gather, this is more of a prequel to Breaking Bad than anything else. I'm sure, sure. it'll probably jump around to uh, pre-Walter White and pre-Walter White and uh, post-Walter White. Um, but Odin Kirk is the man. Yes. And anything he does, especially anything he's a leading actor in, I will watch all day. And uh, this has a lot of... Run, Ronnie, run. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> uh, but anything... I, I love me some Odenkirk, and uh, Vince so Gilligan I. is still involved in this, and so that's good news. But the opening scene is um, is Saul working at a Cinnabon. So what a better Classic. way to kick off a series than that. And, um, I mean, it, it's looking up, and it's something that I'll keep up with. So get on Better Call Saul now. There's only two episodes that have aired. Watch the first two on demand and, and you know, follow this all the way through. You know, in hindsight, I didn't get to watch Breaking Bad while it was going on. I binged it sure. after it was over, or actually during the last season, before the before the last episode. So uh, get on it now. People will be talking about it. I'm worried about, about it jumping ahead because my girlfriend hasn't started Breaking Bad yet, and we're going to watch that probably this summer. But I'm wondering if I can start her on Better Call Saul. I know right now it's safe because it's all yeah, prequel. It's, it's, it's but safe. if it ever jumps ahead of it, I don't want to spoil anything I'm Breaking Bad for. But if it's just a prequel all the way, then she can totally watch it now. I think at least for the first season, first few episodes, I think they'll definitely stay clear of any Breaking Bad spoilers. Yeah. I think they'll they'll do that all they can or people will be writing them like crazy who haven't seen Breaking Bad. But uh, I, I, would, I would call it safe at this point. Uh, so she can watch the first two and... and Find no problem. Actually, it would probably be better to watch Better Call Saul and then watch Breaking Bad. Yeah, I, I wonder how that would be if I had never seen Breaking Bad. I wonder how how I would feel about it. But get on it now, AMC, and um, you know, stay up to date with it because we'll probably be talking about it more on the show. So that's my recommend, Brian. Uh, yeah, I had never heard of Run, Runny, Run, but that's going to be my uh, after IMDBing it. That's going to be my weekly recommend. Uh, that looks <laughs> just amazing. Um, no, I'm going to give you much like my weekly no, excuse me, much like my American Treasure nominee. I'm I'm not the person to make this, I guess. There's somebody else on our on our show who uh who would probably do a better job selling it than I will, but I am going to recommend a Kickstarter campaign that was announced I think just yesterday or maybe the day before. Uh there is a documentary film director named Robert Wide who's done some some uh, impressive work in the past and Don Argnot Argot excuse me is going to help him with this as well uh, who is making a Kurt Vonnegut documentary yeah I saw uh, that called, wow. uh, Kurt Vonnegut Unstuck in Time and it's like something that he uh, it's really interesting if nothing else it's worth going and checking out the trailer for there's like a 5 minute trailer for it on on Kickstarter mm. uh, but he he started filming these uh these interviews and these segments with Kurt Vonnegut back in like 1988 and uh so it's got a lot of footage of him and he just has hours and hours and hours of footage that he's uh now trying to assemble into a you know a full documentary feature uh so it's it, i think it's something that's really cool and is definitely worth uh worth backing you know worth your 5 or 10 bucks sure um and the trailer's really interesting if nothing else like i said so check that out on kickstarter uh kurt vonnegut unstuck in time great so funny you say that brian i just finished yesterday a book that i've had for a couple years but i just started it this week but uh it's called kurt vonnegut the last interview and the last interview series is uh they're books with authors that have 
past. And it's uh-huh. a collection of interviews with them, including at the end of the book, the last interview they ever did. Very and, cool. Uh, I just finished that probably about 23 hours ago. <laughs> so that's <laughs> nice. so weird that you, uh, yeah. you bring that up. But yeah, that's definitely a worthwhile cause. Great, great author. Great. Uh, Hopefully great, it's better great. than the Salinger documentary. Yeah, which is terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Based off a book by one of my one of my uh, author and email buddies, David Shields, but not the not the best. We forget. Yeah, we do forgive him. Go ahead uh, for that. But uh, mine is actually a documentary series. You guys will be surprised again. Keeping it to the film. Uh, It's it's uh, it's on Netflix. It's a ten parter. I think if anyone, it's really helped me contextualize this podcast and some other things that we do, and I think it'd be great for the listeners as well. And it's uh, it's a history of film and Odyssey uh, that's on thing, and it starts with the beginning and kind of goes all the way through. Uh, I think it was produced in 2012 or 13. So, um, you know, the, the last episode will, will be up through there, but, uh, really pretty cool cool about the, uh, about the history of film. It's on Netflix, easy to go. Each episode's about an hour and, uh, goes through some pretty, uh, you know, mainstream things, also some kind of more kind of esoteric things. And, and it's, it's really pretty entertaining and well done. So, uh, history of film and odyssey on Netflix now. Yeah. That's a really cool, cool, really cool movie. It's sort of, Talks about uh, the origin of film back in the day, like with Melies and and yeah. the, the old old uh, films, and really gives you an appreciation for for movies. So. That's all just going on in the back of my head. Like Melies, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it'll give you a good crash course in uh, in movies, and it's like Richard said, it's like ten hours long, maybe more than ten hours. It's like a ten parter, but um, I mean, it really goes. Not in depth, but a good. I mean, I think each uh, each one is about a decade. Well, yeah. They cover about a decade, so exactly. cool little uh, retrospective on on film so far. So good suggestion for the listener. Hey, I want to I want to mention one more thing before we get off here. We mentioned Fifty Shades of Grey earlier in the in the podcast, jokingly, but there's a movement happening on Twitter among. Uh, film lovers and, and non film lovers. Uh, it's called $50, not 50 shades. And what it is, is uh, a lot of the communities, um, the LGBT community and the, uh, and other communities have come out and said, you know, nothing, very little that happens in 50 shades of gray is consensual. I mean, the, the message that it sends is not one that's uh, one to be endorsed. So, uh, They've they've started a movement where people, couples actually who would have gone on Valentine's Day to see it, uh, should spend their money, donate it to a shelter for battered women. Because believe it or not, these are issues with a lot of people, uh, like the subject matter of this movie, and it's ruined a lot of people's lives and everything. I just thought that was a really cool movement that's happening, and uh, you know, go see the movie if you want to see it. I'm not telling you not to see it or enjoy it, but uh, if you are against what they're doing or if, if you want to support a good cause, uh, that's a really cool cause to support and a really good reason to support a cause. So uh, right do that and so show your support on Twitter uh, with that. So um, I'm not, I, you know, I'm sure it'll be number one this weekend, but hopefully, you know, the, the uh, shelters for battered women see a, a big increase in, in, uh, in their budgets that coming this coming weekend as well due to the movement. So uh, I'll mention that. And, want to say again thanks for thanks for joining us and uh check out our website and i will say which is something we should be doing anyway which we haven't done at all and i don't know why 
I want to mention the film we're doing next week, which is The Kingsman Secret Service. So go see yeah. that this weekend. Prepare yourself for next week's podcast. Uh, I need to be doing that, and I need to be telling the listeners what to see uh, before we release the podcast. That'd be nice of me. So go see The Kingsman, and uh, we'll see you next week. So, Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at BGill12, and you can find uh, my writing at CanBabiesDrinkRedBull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me at Richard Barden on Twitter or on my very popular Zanga page. Kent, where can I find you? At Kent Garrison on Twitter. And find all our episodes on our archives at our website. And on that note, guys, until next week, I'll see you at uh, the Royal Crapper. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salad and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegs. But I don't know what to do with those tossed out and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Your salad and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. But but by the way, did we mention the fact that Mila Kunis is a royal janitor? Oh. I mean, she her job is literally a janitor. <laughs> she's she she's seen cleaning toilets in the film. <laughs> Why? It's my favorite movie ever. I, I just well think about the symmetry between being a royal janitor and having royal bows. Right. <laughs> I just wish there was an entire spin-off movie about space werewolves. That's that's really all I want in my life. Is that too much to ask Wachowski's? Come on. <laughs>